One of the defining characteristics of the digital economy is our dependence or increased interdependence with third-party organizations. Whether we are manufacturers, retailers, hoteliers, financial institutions, or government, we rely on a network of suppliers and business partners to create and deliver goods and services. While this interdependence allows us to achieve economies of scale, it also introduces risks to our business. Considering the case of Japan automaker Toyota, in February 2022, Toyota shut down operations in Japan after a major plastic supplier. Kojima Industries suffered a data breach. Kojima had remote access to Toyota's manufacturing plants, greatly increasing Toyota's risk. Third-party risks extend all the way to our technology suppliers. Consider the case of SolarWinds and Kaseya. Both are trusted names in their industries. When both suffered a breach, the attack cascaded down to their customers. So how do you protect your business when the potential threat is from outside your control? With us today on Podcast for Future CIO is Siddharth Dishpande, Field Technology Officer for Asia-Pacific at Palo Alto Networks, to talk Talk to us about securing the outside from within. Siddharth, welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you for having me, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here. What are the hidden risks and threats posed by third-party code? Just taking a small uh, step back, I think the way that the digital business environment is architected today is that it's moving at a great speed and there's a business requirement for greater agility. So uh, in that context, organizations empower their developers to build applications quickly and to actually roll out new features quickly because that provides them a competitive advantage. As a result of that, today, most applications are not coded from scratch. They're assembled with different elements of third-party code that are integrated into the application. And those application components or libraries represent dependencies. And it's a responsibility of any organization that's engaging in this type of cloud native application architecture to build security into the design of the way they consume cloud and the consume applications. So I think there are risks because uh, it's an external environment and you can't really always regulate exactly what code components end up in your software pipeline. But if you do security right and you bake security into the entire CI CD lifecycle, it is possible for organizations to engage in digital business and yet maintain the risk posture. One of the things that has been brought up recently in media and in uh, analyst reports is the idea of the software supply chain. How can infrastructure as code play a role in supply chain protection? So infrastructure as code, Alan, is the idea that when you end up deploying your code, when your code is ready, instead of provisioning all the uh, underlying infrastructure elements, server, storage, networking, instead of provisioning all of those manually, you're doing them in an automated fashion as code. So you might use uh, tools like Terraform or CloudFormation or another form of infrastructure as code to programmatically tell your production environment how much storage you need, how many servers you need, how much networking you need. Now, because this is all done in the form of a template, that one particular infrastructure as code template can potentially affect hundreds of, let's say, storage buckets in the production environment. Now, infrastructure as code has the potential to significantly improve automation and agility for organizations. But a small misconfiguration in one of these infrastructure as code templates can expose the organization to excessive risk in production. And it becomes hard to manually track down those misconfigurations once the application is already in production. So I think the the solution to that is to, again, look at shifting security left so that you're actually able to bake security into the infrastructure as code process and you're able to offer developers a very specific recommendations to remediate those misconfigurations as they're committing the infrastructure as code templates. So IAC has the potential to transform how organizations automate and provision the infrastructure, but security again needs to be baked into that native tool that the developer is using for infrastructure as code. 
More recently, we've had an increase in the uptake of containerization as a, you know, as a technology, for, particularly for developing new codes. How can code security prevent vulnerabilities and compliance violations that arise because of the increased use in container images? I think containers are great because they allow organizations to leverage abstractions and infrastructure to build more agile applications and to be able to roll out applications quickly. Now, the way that containers actually operate is that organizations typically have a container repository where the container images are actually stored. And then those images are used to instantiate production versions of those containers. Now, it's important to be able to put guardrails in place and scan those container images when they're in the repository, which in the pre-deployment stage, but it's also very important to build a behavioral profile of what that container would look like when it's in production. So it's a, it's a combination of container security and scanning in the pre-deployment phase, in the code and build phase, as well as in the runtime phase. And uh, the other important thing with, with respect to this is that container security from a vulnerability perspective has to be continuous. You can't just scan it once in the when the container image is in the repository and then use that point-in-time scan as certificate that the container is doesn't have any vulnerabilities like let's say you scan the container repository last week and your containers are in production and over the last one week there is new vulnerabilities that have been introduced in the software components in in that particular container so you need to also be able to do container vulnerability scanning at runtime and link that runtime scan with whatever you've discovered in the pre-deployment phase essentially integrating the uh, development and the runtime phase of container scanning and this concept is what Gartner is calling CNAP or cloud native application protection platform, which is the integration of security, not just for containers, but for broader cloud native applications across development and runtime. If you look at the idea of provisioning controls built into code, what is the significance of policy as code? Look, I think uh, a policy as code basically refers to the idea that you're allowing developers to use whatever native tools they're using for automation, such as Terraforms, formation, and others, to be able to effectively write that information that they want in code programmatically instead of doing manual policy configurations and changes. So as a result of that, policy as code becomes important because you don't want the developers to go outside of the workflow of their infrastructure as code tools to implement policies. And those policies could be security policies, they could be infrastructure policies, whatever, right? So it's important for any cloud security approach to provide that instrumentation and that level of integration with the developer's coding tools to allow them to put in place policies that can then cascade into a production environment effectively. So from a security perspective, policy as code is automating the enforcement of security policy at a code level, as opposed to having to do that manually. A couple of other things I wanted to ask you. Most of modern application code today is made up of open source dependencies. How can the industry then build confidence in open source security when you hear all of these uh, um, breaches that have been happening for the last few years? Yeah, look, I think it's a holistic approach that the industry needs to take. Of course, we need to have more awareness, more industry programs to encourage developers to code applications in a more secure manner, to integrate security into their native workflow and all of that. But I think the other part of that, apart from raising awareness, is the technology angle. How effectively are developers able to get visibility of any security problems in the open source code components that they're using while they're actually coding, right? So if you can give them that, 
that, then they can actually fulfill their primary mission of rolling out applications quickly, leveraging whatever open source components they need to. But from a security perspective, they have an assurance that whatever they're using is actually being scanned. And look, I don't think anybody intentionally would use a malicious code component, which is open source. But the fact is, a lot of these open source projects, just take Log4j for an example, a lot of these open source projects are actually maintained on a part-time basis, on a volunteer basis by people who actually have day jobs. So when an issue happens, like when Log4j happened, the individual that was maintaining the Log4j Java library code base, it was maintained on a volunteer basis. So you can't really expect every single open source code maintainer to have absolute visibility into everything from a security perspective. And at the same time, you can't go and tell developers don't use open source code. So there has to be a technology construct. Like I said, the cloud native application protection platform that does security from code all the way to the cloud. So which means that you should be able to build security into the CI/CD lifecycle effectively while integrating with the tools the developers are using. And that can give organizations assurance that even though there are open source components in the environment, security is not a process that's coming in after the application is in production, but it's actually performing its function while the applications are being developed. Most of the time, application development is outside the day-to-day prelude of the CIO, CTO, and even the CISOs, right? This is usually done by the engineering team or the infrastructure team writing code. As organizations pursue cloud-native applications, more so because we're migrating to the cloud, and we work more collaboratively with third-party partners, suppliers, customers, and even in some cases, just third-party organizations, vendors such as yourselves. What is your advice to both the CIO, the CISO, and CTOs as regards to securing third-party applications? First of all, there has to be an organizational cultural awareness that needs to be driven from the top down about what types of different mechanisms exist for third parties to interact with our infrastructure, what kinds of risks that those pose. It's not to say that don't use third-party elements or don't use third-party code, it's just to drive that awareness across the organization. Because when it, when you look at the specifically the cloud environment context, you have different stakeholders. You have the developer teams, you have the, you have the DevOps teams, you have the coders, you have the infrastructure teams, or you have the cloud application teams, you have the security team, so that everyone has to be brought together on a common platform from a cultural perspective to have a common view or talk in a single language about these third-party risks. So that's one part of it. And the other part of it is that there has to be an effort to drive technology platform adoptions from a security standpoint that can actually fit into everything, into the native workflow of whatever the organization is doing, ideally without disrupting that workflow. So in the case of the DevOps conversation, if the developers are using a certain version control system like GitLab or, or GitHub, or they're using a certain CI/CD tool like Jenkins, this, the security constructs should be able to go and integrate into those tools natively. At the same time, provide the organization a broader visibility into the overall risk landscape in the cloud. And you know what that does, Alan, is in terms of the platform approach, if you're able to have the cloud security platform, it actually facilitates better collaboration between the DevOps team and the security team, because all of a sudden the security team is now not coming in at the end of the life cycle, but they're able to give developers specific recommendations in the native tools and say, hey, look, this is a a problem that we have seen. We would like your teams to click this button to fix it or do something about it before it hits its production. And we're giving you that visibility without asking you to come out of your native workflow. So in a sense, if I were to summarize, I would say that it's the culture and it's the technology, but the technology platform, if it's the correct cloud security platform or CNAP, it can facilitate the cultural change that organizations need to undergo when it comes to protecting uh, against third-party risks. Siddharth, thank you for joining us on Podcast for Future CIO. Thank you for having us, Alan.
That was Siddharth Despande, Field Chief Technology Officer for Asia-Pacific at Palo Alto Networks on the topic of securing third-party apps. You are listening into Podcast for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podcasts for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podcasts for Future CIO. Bye for now.